Hi, everybody. Simone Millicent here on the art and industry of business and living. And this month, the month of September, we're doing a series of shows for Suicide Awareness Day. We're making it Suicide Awareness Month. One of the websites that I would love for you to have a look at is accessconsciousness.com forward slash suicide awareness. There you can find out a whole lot of details of different things that we have available for you if you'd like to know more about this because suicide doesn't have to be a reality. There is always greater possibilities available for you. The Art and Industry of Business and Living podcast. Discussing conscious choices around business, money, life and living and creating a greater future for you and the planet. Hi everybody, welcome to the Art and Industry of Business and Living podcast. You are with Simone Millis as your host and we have a really interesting month this month and what we chose to do was we've done four shows, well this is actually the third one, on suicide because it's suicide awareness day but we're turning into suicide awareness month with access consciousness so and my high high recommendation is get your bars run so who i have on today is an access consciousness certified facilitator lauren polly so welcome lauren hi simone thank you for having me Oh, I'm so grateful to have you on here. It's interesting because I spoke to Melanie who works with me and we were like, okay, what can we do for Suicide Awareness Month? And we've had Anthony Madison who spoke about his wife committing suicide and what that was like and, and the choices and how he dealt with the kids. And it was brilliant. I was like, oh my God, you are the best dad ever. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and what got created from that. And I've also had Christopher Hughes on who, so if you're listening to this show, you can find those, um, those other podcasts so you can download them. Christopher Hughes, who's also an access consciousness facilitator who had his, uh, his sister, um, commit suicide and uh, quite full on actually she burned herself in in a, in a house but the thing was it was a lot of the sexual stuff she wanted to she was transgender and we spoke a lot about that too because that's one of them a lot of the things that come up is you know a lot of people who have quote unquote they think they have a problem with what they're choosing with their sexual choices and yet Jesus Christ people should be able to choose whatever the hell they want to choose yeah and be okay with it. So it was a really cool podcast too. And today we have Lauren here, who Lauren is the author of The Other Side of Bipolar. So I wanted to just ask you some questions because bipolar is, I mean, it's something that's widely spoken about. And yet it's also one of those things that's shushed, you know, when people mm. go drugs, you know, or they're gay. It's like bipolar. And it's like, why? <laughs> like, what if we just sort of spoke about it? If you want to start and just sort of give give the listeners a little bit of background of, you know, what occurred for you growing up and how you got to this and, and writing the book. Yeah. So hello, everyone. Uh, my, my story, The Other Side of Bipolar, is really about pulling back the curtains and not having it be a secret thing, a stigma thing, a black cloud kind of thing. Um, I was, I would say, normal and happy and have a really good childhood until I hit prepubescent adolescence, that time in our life where 
all of a sudden it stopped being about open exploration and really allowing yourself to play and just show up. It started to be way more about how you fit or how you didn't fit. And during that time in particular, I just started to notice my head get super loud and busy. Um, I had kind of self-hatred thoughts coming up. I felt super uncomfortable in my own skin. And I had a really hard time connecting with the people around me, which was super unusual because usually that's something that I've always been really good at. Those of you, of course, who know middle school, it's a really hotbed of interestingness. People can be quite cruel during that time. And when you're sensitive, you sometimes soak it all up, which is exactly what I did. My moods started to swing from high to low. Uh, I had some dark, 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 dark periods that I went through. But because of the secret thing around mental illness, upsets, all that stuff, I didn't tell anybody. I hid it all. And unfortunately, with that, everything gets bigger. And I think that's kind of one of the biggest things about the suicide talk, not just the bipolar talk of if you were able to just express yourself openly and not feel like you're going to get judged or labeled, or even if you don't have the right words or even have any words at all, just I'm struggling and I need help. I think the world would be very, very different. There would be more access to actually these bigger possibilities out there. So that's kind of my story. I went through the downward spiral with that. I went through a suicide attempt. I got diagnosed and went through 14 years on heavy meds through the Western medical system. And spent about 10 to 15 coming out the other end with different modalities. Yeah. Which I love that the other side of bipolar. So can I ask you a few questions? There's, I mean, if anyone's listening to this right now and they're at that place that you describe as, you know, the, the sort of dark, you know, sort of heavy, horrible period, what was going through your head at that stage? Oh, I had all sorts of, um, it's interesting because with the bipolar, what they talk about is highs and lows. So depression, a lot of people think of as being super sad, uh, mm-hmm. kind of sad. It's actually much more like a black hole of nothingness. Like all interest goes away. It's like a diffuse gray world. Um, and then the mania, of course, is like having energy out the wazoo, but usually it's pretty like happy and bouncy and um kind of talking really fast and doing all sorts of impulsive things, they have what's called mixed states, which is where the intensity of the mania mixes with the darkness and nothingness of the depression. And that's where things really kind of hit the fan for me. It was feeling uncomfortable in my own skin. I was quite paranoid. I thought everybody was talking about me. Um, At one point, it had reached this climax of thinking the entire school was in on the joke. So that every time I moved a certain way and I saw someone else do a similar movement, I thought they were mocking me and that everybody was in on it. I have one line in the book that describes it as feeling like an animal of a different species. And being the lone species, everybody else was bounding to take me together, to take me down with the strength of the group. It was really that feeling of being kind of hunted and watched and not really having a safe space just to be. Right. So let me ask you a few questions too with that, because when that was occurring, you hadn't been quote unquote diagnosed Mm -hmm. yet. Is that correct? This was before. Yeah. Okay. So what could you suggest to people who are uh, living with someone who is going through that or um, notices that or what's some of the things that they would notice and what some of the tools that you would suggest that people could help someone with? Yeah, I mean, again, this is like a secret thing. So they may not be outwardly with it. I always was right. 
putting on a like bright shiny smile and kind oh, of marching so this forward. is like you're you're going through this in your head at school going oh these people are mocking me this is happening but you're not talking to anyone about it this is all in my head and it's fascinating because in that year mm. of school in particular i was in the guidance counselor almost every week in her office i had a friend who was getting getting beaten and i had another friend who was getting molested at home so me being this little helper i was going to the guidance counselor and talking about their problems and bringing them in for help it never occurred to me. It wasn't even that I was hiding it. It never even occurred to me to speak up and say, you know what? I'm struggling too. Um, in my oh. mind, their stuff was like tangible. They were in danger. It was a real problem. For me, I just felt uncomfortable and like I was getting attacked. But because it wasn't tangible, I didn't really have the words to describe it. Yeah. So if, if so you are around... It's really interesting because it's, like, it's almost like you didn't think something was wrong. No. You thought that that was your reality. Yes. Yes. And I thought that's just okay. kind of what it was. And I, more than yeah. anything, it was just a sense of being super confused. Cause I'm like, I'm aware of all this stuff. I get when I act happy, no one thinks there's anything wrong. And then everyone right. around me is acting happy. So do they have this in their own head too? And just aren't talking about right. it. It was kind of a really weird disconnect of the outer world versus the inner world. So if you have people in your life who are struggling, you may not even notice. And you know, my poor parents reading this book, they're like, we know you went through a lot of stuff, but they said some of the things you describe in here, we had, we had no idea. Um, yeah. And it's just because, again, I got really good at, you know, playing the role of Lauren. Okay. So then let's do it the other way around. Cause it was funny. I was just talking to a friend of mine this morning and we were talking about a mutual friend of ours and we were saying how, you know, they always seem to put on this happy face. Yet when you're around them, it's like the energy of them being sad and depressed is so prevalent. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about, because uh, she was saying, can you help me? She said, I keep buying this stuff as mine. And no, it's not mine. But they're not actually asking for much help either. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's just being in a matter of allowance of what they're choosing and having that, that space of availability for them. Yeah. So, so one of the things, if someone's listening here, let's do it this other way around then. And this, everything that you're saying, they're going, holy shit, this is exactly what's occurring for me. And it's like, what are some of the first steps that you would talk to people about changing that for themselves? Oh, number one, you are like never alone. And I mean that in a way where like, you're never alone. Like there is total utter support around you. And also you're never alone, meaning what you're experiencing for the most part isn't yours. We are so connected. I don't know where this weird thing came from that we live in a bubble that's kind of independent of other people's bubbles and our bubbles kind of bounce up against each other. That's actually not so. There is this openness and what's going on for someone else, whether it's someone close to you or someone that's not close to you, to you if you're sensitive, you're aware, you pick it up. And so a lot of the stuff, like if you look at the example of me in adolescence and middle school, it's just a hotbed of yuckiness, you know, and like all of the things of me talking, you know, people talking about me and hounding me and making fun of me behind my back. It's so funny now because when I talk to people that I went to school with, they're like, Lauren, really no one was doing that. Or there may have been like slight whispers. I got, I was just aware of the entire environment mm -hmm. and magnify that by 800 kids doing that. So it's kind of fascinating. Like number one, look, you're not alone. You're super aware of other people just because it's coming from the inside of you and he sounds like your voice and you have a story in your mind to match it doesn't actually make it yours. So access consciousness has a brilliant tool. It's kind of been a lifesaver for me of just who does this belong to? And perhaps not only asking the question, who does it belong to, but is this actually relevant to me in this moment?
Because a lot of times, you know, it's not yours, but you kind of think it has some relevance because it feels super intense. Well, it feels like yours. You know, I did a foundation class, which I talk, I quite often talk about bars on on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you again, get your bars (laughs) run. Go to accessconsciousness.com, find a bars facilitator, and it's like get your bars run or even go to a bars class because you get to learn it twice and receive it twice, and it's brilliant. I don't know what I would do without bars. But at a foundation class I did many years ago, there was this uh, young teenage girl in there. She's probably 13, 14, and we had a break. And at the break she said to me, you know what? She said, you're not talking about anything that I don't already know, but nobody talks about this stuff. And I was like, yep. And it was one of my favorite quotes from classes that I've done over 17 years. And then she said to me with this, who does it belong to tool? She went, you mean that when I'm at school and all the stuff that's going on in my head, it's not mine. It's like, you know, other people's. And I went, yeah. And she went, everyone at school needs to have this tool. And I was like, Amen to that. Yes, they do, my love. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was brilliant. Cause it's like, yeah, who does it belong to? I mean, you pick up the thoughts, feelings, and emotions from other people. And it's like, what if they weren't yours? Yeah. And it's so funny too, because we're really willing to acknowledge that when we first learn this tool with like the stuff you don't like, like the anger or the upset or the angsty stuff. For me, especially with the bipolar thing, a lot of times I would just catch waves of energy. So my mood swings to the upper register, like the mania, the happiness, the giggles, it was just catching energy waves from other people. I'd catch their happiness. And it's not a bad thing. Neither is catching the downside of it either. It's me losing my choice on how to show up as myself in the midst of it. And for me, that's been like the goldmine of the access consciousness tools. It's it's not right or wrong. It's just me actually being present and leading my own life and allowing everything in, not having to put up a barrier or a blockade to it. But yeah, I still have a choice. This energy doesn't have to overtake me. You actually have a choice. So where are you at now, Lauren? Like you, I mean, you were diagnosed with bipolar. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know what your point of view is on bipolar. Like, because I mean, I see so many things diagnosed, like in in Western Australia, one in three kids is diagnosed with ADHD and given uh, medication. We're 50% in the US with that. Jesus Christ, really? That's like, like there's another, I, I know there's another possibility available. And I'm also you know, I'm not a doctor and I haven't had any of that stuff going on in my life. And I see so many people change the situation that they have based on realizing just how aware they are. And a lot of the things that this reality would say is, uh, would negate and say that this is not proper, that you need to change this are actually talents and abilities. I mean, you know, OCD, ADHD, it's like autism, it's like all of this stuff. It's like there's a different possibility available. It's like this reality sucks. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm asking to function from beyond this reality. And this reality has so many rules and regulations and judgments and it doesn't treat us as different. It treats us as you said right at the beginning, you're always trying to find this place to fit in. We don't fit. So where are you at now with all this? Like what's occurred? Like take us a step further when they diagnosed you. Mm, so I was diagnosed and I spent um, age 14 through 19 on 
14 pills a day. <laughs> I was on heavy, heavy, heavy psychiatric medicine. Most of that was just kind of foggy years with a lot of body yuckiness. Um, I went away to college. 14 pills a day. You, you should have rattled walking around. <laughs> I had no room for food. It was basically the liquid to wash the pills down. And I was like done for the day. Wow. My poor sweet body. It was just interesting though. Cause as soon as I went away to college, the doctor who kind of took up my care was like, look with your body weight, you should be in bed drooling all day. Like this is not anything that's appropriate for what's going on. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> I've, you know, gone all the way through to get into college and was dancing full time in a dance company. So my body kind of powered through it, but it was like moving through molasses the whole time. Uh, he was amazing because he cut all my medicines in half and was able to eliminate some. And then beyond that, I my gold mine is finding a holistic psychiatrist when I was 20, and he just changed the course of everything. Uh, it went from the normal therapy, which is all fear-based and limitation-based, and let's talk about your issues. And how you feel. Oh my God, yeah. and it was like, all you do is like dig yourself in deeper. And like, God, I felt somewhat okay before I walked in the door. <laughs> now I feel like crap again. Now I feel like crap. <laughs> Helping, um, but it was amazing because it was all about actually developing all of me. Uh, we looked at like education testing. I picked a career that I was really suited for. I started getting straight A's at school. I was doing yoga, meditation. He was the first one who introduced me to energy tuning and um, energy work. It was quite remarkable the difference. And with that, it was fascinating because as soon as I made strides developing myself, all of a sudden, a lot of the medicine I was on wasn't needed. Like my social anxiety medicine, all of a sudden wasn't needed once I found my feet and my confidence in social circumstances. My anxiety went away. The paranoia went away. You know, he was brilliant enough to say, you know, you're kind of being self-involved thinking that everybody has nothing better to do than to talk about you all the time. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> I great. Like, I love him already. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. You know, and that's like the number one yeah. thing that comes into my mind every time I get that weird whispery energy around me. And um, so it was just kind of fascinating, like actually developing myself. All of that fell away. Flash forward 10 years later after going on my own journey with that, I got off medicine. This was at age 30, off medicine under the care of a doctor. She weaned me off over a period of nine months and overturned my diagnosis. That was nine years ago. Wow. I'm symptom free. I haven't had any issues since. And that's not supposed to be possible with this kind of illness. This is a lifelong chemical imbalance. You basically need biochemistry taken orally to balance yourself back to be normal. So changing that from my perspective is it has me questioning being diagnosed in the first place. It has me questioning my care. Um, also, the story that I've the stories that I've heard from people around the world who've read my book of oh, well, my family doctor diagnosed me with it and put me on medicine. I never even went through psychological testing. That's what I'm wondering yeah. too. And I mean, I, I don't want to sound like an <laughs> asshole here um, going, you know, there's nothing wrong with you, you know, because if there is something, but it's funny because you also use the word mm -hmm. normal. And it's like, you know, one of the things I've been looking at recently too, and I know Gary Douglas, the founder of Access Consciousness, we had a conversation the other day and he's the most abnormal person in the world. Like really, he's so abnormal you know, he was having some stuff with his body and I was like, yeah, but what if your body is abnormal as well? And he was like, holy shit. It was like, it is. And it's like, what if there was no normal? Like, what if you were just one of the most aware kids in the school? Like, is that a possibility to look at that sort of, 
you know, side of it. Like I said, I don't want to be like an asshole and say, hey. But it's also, not, it's, it's also <laughs> but, not an unusual conversation. There's an amazing documentary called Crazy Wise, which is kind of getting this grassroots um, growing. You can find it online. It's wonderful. But they were interviewing a lot of um, very prominent psych- psychiatrists um, from around the U.S., And one of them in particular said, you know, our DSM, which is the manual for mental illness diagnoses, went from like 50 pages to like something ridiculous. Like there's over 500,000 whatever diagnoses is basically where pathologizing the human condition. So basically anyone who ends up there and starts talking, there's some sort of diagnostic box that you could fit in depending on how you show up in any given 10 seconds. So it's... Right, interesting. And it's sort of like... You know, bringing on the, the the medical society. I mean, a friend of mutual friend of ours actually. He lives in Australia now. He's a access consciousness facilitator too. And he goes, man, it's great. I went to the dentist in Australia, and the guy looks at my teeth and goes, no, you're good. Come back and see me in six months. And he said, I go in America, and they're like, we're going to need to do a crown, and we're going to need to take four teeth, and you know, and do this and that. And I was like, yeah, it's the medical industry. It's like looking for money as well. Juggernaut, you know. And that being said, and I will preference the conversation on there are certain people who really require that assistance. It's hard in mm-hmm. retroflexion to look back and be like, you know, at 14, had I not gone the diagnosis route and the medication route just been given different perspectives, I know it would have been way easier. I know I would have moved faster. Like that's my whole target with all of my work is really to shortcut other people's paths so they don't have to spend the 20 year rabbit hole that I did. Uh, But also at the same time, like I'm really like one who includes everything. If you have a hit that something is going to work or you need that right now, you're really the only one who can make that choice or make that Yeah, just like moving forward in the direction that you actually feel called. I would say don't be afraid to include anything and everything, but please don't stop there. Most people start with the medical and then they just kind of give up. I could have very easily done that time after time after time again, and I never did. It was always an exploration. And as I did, the more medical needs of it fell away as I was able to move forward. So there's no, yeah, there's no very paint cool. by numbers. Yeah. I mean, you're the source of the yeah, creation. And there's no paint yeah. by numbers. I was actually, we want to kind of mm, like find the one yeah. magical formula to fix everybody. And like, we're, we're singular, singular, beautiful beings. We don't have a magical formula that we can actually utilize to do anything. It's momentary choice. Yeah, I totally agree. And then to add to that too, it's like, um, I was having a conversation yesterday <laughs> with Dr. Dane here, who's the co-creator of Access Consciousness, and we were talking about like when people start to look at them, look at other people as a source mm. of creation or as the source of anything, and it's like like you're saying, you are the one that knows. And it's like, and there's tools that you can ask your body, you know, what it requires and what it desires. I mean, yesterday morning, I came home. And I, you know, I'm home for 10 days and I went, okay, I'm going to do a detox. And it's these certain detox that for the first two days, you don't really eat. You don't really eat. You can eat cucumber and celery if you want or something, but you take aloe vera and you take these tablets and do all that. So yesterday morning, no question in that, right? Yesterday morning, I start this detox and I start to take this aloe vera and this, these pills. And then I do this Zoom and I'm like, literally like, I have to go. Cause I think I'm going to throw up and then I go and then I spend the next 15 minutes in the bathroom throwing up. And I was like, all right, buddy, you obviously didn't want that. <laughs> I had those pills in the aloe vera, but it was really interesting because I had just decided something rather than going, okay, body, what would you like? 
And I was talking to Gary and he said, your body does want to detox, but it's like, ask it what it wants. And we both got something with watermelon as well. So it's like, okay, cool. One of the things that we talk about in Access is to ask questions and not go to answer. An answer will never create anything more, whereas a question will always contribute more and something greater showing up. So even just practice that. It's like anywhere I've gone to, you know, gone to a conclusion today about anything, destroy and uncreated, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And if you can't come up with a question, ask, what question could I ask here? It's, it's that easy. It's like living in the question of what your body desires, what the situation is, you know, what else is available to change it. I mean, one of your articles that I read too, and I wanted you to talk a little bit about this, it's like you wrote you are braver than you realize. And then there's a little bit more and then you say all you have to do is ask for it. And say, I know that that's one of the hardest things in the world is for people to ask for assistance. They think they have to do everything on their own. It's like, can you talk a little bit about that and what that's like for someone in that situation that you were in? I mean, it's it's interesting because the phrase that pops in my brain immediately is bearing the burden. And I'm not quite sure that's just an energy that's there, but like being with it and being present with the struggle that you're currently going through, not trying to run away, not trying to hide from it, and actually being honest with yourself and the people in your lives, being able to just open your mouth and speak. And again, even if you don't have the words, even if you don't have anything else, you don't even know where to start, just pull someone aside, someone who you trust, someone who you know is open and someone who kind of has their wits about them for you to be able to say, you know, I'm struggling. I'm not quite sure how to express this, but do you mind just me leaning on your shoulder for a bit? There's so much support that's here. We don't ever really open our eyes and our visual eyes, our awareness eyes, our heart eyes to really be able to like lean on people. And most people are more than happy to be able to gift to you that way. So don't feel like you're in it alone. Don't feel like you have to hide it. And also that braveness really does come from being present with it. I find so many people who are struggling and they try to, again, smack the happy smile like I did for so long or pretend it's not that big of a deal or to go down the drama train with it and start utilizing it to manipulate people and really kind of like do interesting creations on the side. Um, I feel like you just caught a whole lot of people out. They were like, oh, no, she's onto me. The trauma and drama road, you know, that was working for me. I, I, I don't know anything about that. I didn't do that myself. <laughs> me either. <laughs> you know, we do interesting things with this, but to be, like, brutally honest with yourself and to have some accountability, you know, like what we've been talking about this whole show of you are the source, you are the creator, like this life is yours, this living is your own momentary creation, how do you want to go about doing it? Like I, I remember in college, my roommate, I was going through a particular interesting time and there was more kind of mania. I was all over the map. And I just caught this look in her eyes that had this like tired, I'm wearing her down with my bullshit kind of look. And it was a look that I recognized from my parents who always loved me too much to let me see. They kind of would flip out of it really quick. But that glimmer of a second and I went, oh, my God, this is the effect that I have on people that I spend a lot of time with. And I had enough self-awareness and brutal honesty to see it. I also had enough wherewithal to be like, you know what, that's actually not how I choose to be 
in my life. That's not the effect that I actually like to have. And that to me was a huge, it was a momentary flash, but it was a huge choice point for me of, you know, perhaps there's some work to do to kind of pull my shit together so that this isn't the effect that I have in the world and around the people in my life. Well, it's interesting as you talk about that, it's like, it's, it's a place of creating separation. Mm -hmm. So how many people out there are actually doing trauma and drama and doing, you know, that whole victim thing to create separation so that you can have all these barriers up around you that nobody can actually ever see you. And it's like, what if you just let all your barriers down? I mean, one of the things you talk about too is, um, you know, being embarrassed by the struggles. And it's like, what if you actually knew that every single person in the world, I'm sorry, even the happiest person you know, has gone through shit in their life. And the mantra of access is all of life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory. I beg you, I plead you to use it. All of life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory. Now, it's not all of life shows up and it's all happy and joyful and everything turns out right. And it's like, because it's not about getting it right. It's about actually creating the freedom and the awareness for you to have choice. All of life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory is about the good, the bad, and the ugly. So sometimes there's some really shitty stuff that shows up. But what if you could make it easier? What if it didn't have to be this, you know, trauma and drama and the, you know, I'm going to offend the Latinos, but the, <laughs> <laughs> the Latinos, what do they call the <laughs> telenovela? <laughs> the telenovela of your life. And it's like, what if you actually took a step back and went, all right, what if I stopped creating the telenovela of my life? And what would I like to create with my life? What would I like to choose here? Because I hear so many people all the time too say, oh, if I only had choice. Well, guess what? You do have choice. You do have choice. The difference between you and a homeless person is choice, literally. And it's like, so you have choice every single day, but what you also have to do is take action. You have to take some sort of action to move forward to create a different possibility. And that's your choice, as, you know, Lauren has been uh, saying throughout the program here that it it is your choice. And it's like, you know, what would you like to choose today? Yeah. And it's just kind of interesting when you're talking, especially about that mantra, it it brings up the lie and that weird juxtaposition that's in this reality of like the biggest lie in my mind about mental health, mental wellness, even like spirituality, metaphysical, all of those paths of like inner work that lie of like the end point or the end game, the target of being like this placid, peaceful lake or like this homeostasis, <laughs> this weird homeostasis. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Nothing really changes. There's no big ripples. Everything's calm and happy. And it's not. I mean, life is intense. It is free flowing. It is mobile. It is change points and growth and these uncomfortable growing spots that we go through. Mm -hmm. But there's such beauty in that intensity. And to be able to actually like allow yourself to be with it, be present with it and not lose your choice in the face of it. I love that. I mean, if you look at even, if you look at sex and copulation, if you went into sex and copulation all the time going, right, it has to be this like really nice and, you know, easy, smooth, you know, no, nothing too exciting. It's like, Oh my God, how boring. It's like, that's how so many people, exactly. (laughs) So many people live their lives. And one of my favorite things that Gary Douglas ever said was, what if the purpose of life was just to have fun Mm -hmm. and fun could include anything. You could be going and, you know, hugging a tree, swimming in the ocean. You could be going to a party. You could be just, you know, being at home on your own. It's like anything, but what if the purpose of life was to have fun? It's like, Mm -hmm. are you having any? What could you choose today that would be fun for you, not for everybody else? 
for you? What would be fun for you to choose today? And what if you even just started with that? Well, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful initiation of just kind of like opening the doorway. And I, quite frankly, in my awareness, suicide for, yes, there's a wide range of issues that bring that on. But in the broad spectrum, it's like people who want change. Like for me, I needed something drastically to change with my living in order for me to be able to be here. And I had no tools at that time or power in my mind to be able to create that change. Um, so, so much so that killing myself seemed like the only option, like the only change or choice point that I had. If you are on that edge and really looking at that, like that's a big choice. Perhaps you can ask yourself what needs to change in your living for you to actually want to be here and to, again, have that fun that Simone is talking about. And even if it seems outlandish, some awareness that may come, you're also looking at a quite bold choice with taking your own life. So maybe it wouldn't be as bold as you think it would be to make these other changes. You know, truly, I like that. Maybe yeah. it's brave to live. <laughs> yeah, that way you get to actually yeah. live, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that we have spoken about, and next week I've actually got Shannon Ahara on mm. um, from Talk to the Entities. And yeah, we are sort of, yeah, yeah, talking about the whole aspect of um, when you do leave this body and what occurs and what that looks like. Because a lot of people, I think, when they're looking at suicide, think, oh, now I'll be free. Mm. Well, guess what? You get to come back to this reality and, and do it all again. So yeah. if you create more awareness and more consciousness now on this planet and for you, and say, so then you will have an easier, you know, pathway in the future. So, and you know, if anything I'm saying doesn't make you feel lighter, it's not, it, you go, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. That's fine. What I'm saying is trust you. And what these shows are about is giving you information so that you can have more choice because there is more out there. Like as Lauren says, you are not alone. So Lauren, you can get, can people buy your book at laurenpolly.com? Is that the? Uh, probably Amazon would be the, the faster route for that. Again, the best way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> direct, direct links. It's the other side of bipolar. It's available print and ebook. And I just finished the audio book. So that should be up in about a month. Oh, nice. Yeah. How fun. Cool. And you can find Lauren at laurenpolly.com, L-A-U-R-E-N-P-O-L-L-Y.com. And she's also an access consciousness uh, facilitator. So you can find her on accessconsciousness.com. And do you, you do private sessions, you do classes, what's happening in, in what's, oh, what, what have you got coming up? I do all of that and more. Uh, I love deep dives with people. So being able to really work um, closely one-on-one is one of my sweet spots. And then I do pop-up calls on different topics. And I'm just, I'm really interested in just having these creative conversations where there's no wrongness, there's no rightness. There's just more of this open exploration of, hey, there's this weird thing going on in my head. And someone else goes, oh my God, I've actually had that weird thing too so maybe you're not super weird and maybe i'm not super weird maybe we're, maybe we're both weird <laughs> but, <laughs> maybe we're both, maybe we're both weird, weird but that's okay um, <laughs> and you know really truly my bigger target is just to create a world where there's just more openness around this like if if that was a conversation we were having constantly like there's weird shit that goes through your head sometimes you're going to go through phases where you don't like yourself sometimes you're going to feel really uncomfortable um it would take the secrecy and that weird thing that I went through with that inner world, not matching the outer world off the table. And I think give people more freedom to choose something different that would actually work for them. Yeah, I, so, I totally agree. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm very, 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 very grateful. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
And thank you everyone for joining us today. And like I said, we've got the, it's a little bit out of the box because I'm weird and strange and uh, it's not so much about business and living and money. We're talking about uh, suicide awareness uh, month, we're calling it. So if you caught this show, there's another one with Anthony Mattis and also Christopher Hughes. And coming up next week is with Shannon O'Hara on Talk to the Entity. So we'll have a whole bunch more information for you as well. And don't forget to check out accessconsciousness.com. And please, like I said, get your bars run. It's, I mean, I got my bars run for two and a half hours yesterday mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my God, thank God. Everything was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so it was awesome. Cool. So thank you so much for joining me, Lauren, and I will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.